Welcome back. I'm here today with Chris Kyberian. He's a private equity advisor. Chris, welcome to today's show. Thank you. So, Chris, uh, you know, for the listeners, can you give your background and what brought you to where you are today? And let's let's start from the college years. Uh, you know, your your aspirations to move in the direction that you did into private equity. Sure. Well, you know, I took a, a, a year abroad in Argentina in 1990 and discovered a country that was in total economic chaos. So when I came back, I decided I want to study economics, study business, and that's what led me into technology investment banking, which led me to businesses. And so I see myself as a business builder, and I love building businesses. Information, software, internet, it really doesn't matter. I just like the challenge of orchestrating growth, um, building products. And so I've you know, been fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to run very different businesses. And so when you uh, when you started your first job, though, you know a lot of people go through. They come out of school, they got their degree, and they're just like, oh, "What am I going to do now?" Yeah. You know. And, and was it what is that that time when you had that degree? You said, I'm just going to build businesses, or or, or did this evolve from the, the the first jobs? It was a it was a funny evolution because I was actually waiting for my security clearance for the Foreign Service uh, because I I loved international travel and languages. And my, my student loans started coming due, and I just needed a job. And so the only job I could get was with a technology investment banking firm in Boston. And I started, uh, you know, doing your, your, your typical, you know, seven-day-a-week, you know, 80-hour work week, you know, type of, uh, you know, job, uh, you know, helping with IPOs, follow-ons, private placements, and probably learned more in, in two years doing that than I, you know, I did in 10 years after. And so when you uh, when you're starting with these these are, you start with IPOs that's kind of unique yeah. from the standpoint where what position were you in were you an analyst I was an analyst okay. and so I'd run the numbers crunch the numbers do the research help create the marketing documents and really kind of understand how you know how an offering takes place how do how are investors assembled how is a book of business of institutional investors retail investors assembled and really how do you how do you tell a story how do you really explain the merits and attraction of a business and a market in a way that is so compelling you just sort of dig in your pocket and put millions to work? You know, it's interesting when you're looking at uh, companies, would you consider yourself more on the process side of implementing processes or the marketing? The marketing I'm a growth guy. I'm okay. all about growth. And what, what really excites me is how you stimulate growth and the orchestration of that from the very from the roots up, from the product, from the marketing, from the channel, from the positioning, from the brand. It's it's to me what makes you know a lot of business really exciting. I don't mind the process, because you really need good process to be able to drive growth, but I'm more of a growth guy. You know, when 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 looking at growth and moving into that, uh, how important is it to get everybody on the same page. It's it's vitally important and it's one of the things that I find, you know, most challenging, especially in the early part of my career because, you know, I'd see great opportunities and want to run at them and you know, oftentimes felt frustration, well why why isn't everyone running at the same pace? Why aren't we all so excited about doing this? And then you realize in big organizations of thousands of people, you've got all sorts of, you know, different personalities and things you got to deal with in order to get people motivated. But I find if you can express your strategy and vision with a clear purpose and a passion, you can excite the masses to really drive a business forward. You know, Chris, part of your experience not only is within this country, but also you've served abroad. 
And uh, how, how do other cultures play into that issue? Yeah, well, you know, after my you know, two years in investment banking, I went, of all places, to the former Soviet Union uh, and built something called the, the Eurasia Small Business Loan Program, which was a, actually a micro-lending program for you know, former Soviet republics. And I was all of 25. I didn't necessarily know the language. I didn't know the culture. It was really hard to do what we were doing, which is basically collateralized lending for, you know, a tomato paste cannery, a bakery, you know, in a foreign environment. That's culture shock. And ultimately, one of the things you realize is, you know, business is business. At the end of the day, it's still, you know, you know, money in, money out. And so you can find a common ground. But the cultural gap between a former Soviet bank leader and a, and a 25-year-old former investment banking analyst was about as wide as you could get. But it was a good learning experience to figure out how you bridge cultures. Chris, I'm running uh, against the break time now. I'm visiting here today with Chris Kabarian. He's a private equity advisor. And we'll be right back after these messages. I love fishing you know, with my family. I think it would be easier to use a net. It was so much fun. The times when we are together, it makes it all, all the more worth it. Having Dad teach them how to like cast a fly rod. and As long as we're doing stuff together, we're having fun. Some people see a father and a son fishing together, while others see a succession plan. Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Chris Kaberi, and, and uh, uh, he's a private equity advisor. And Chris, we're starting in the early days of your career. But one thing that happened in Russia that you didn't pick up in the, the last segment, and I want to cover this, is you met somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> met my wife. <laughs> your wife. And, uh, and, and, and so that, 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 that truly was a blessing, I guess, for the little time that you uh, spent over there in Russia. And, well, you know, I just, I just met the most beautiful woman in the world, and so she motivated me to learn her language and stay for a while. Uh, we stayed there for two years, and uh, it's where we ended up getting married, and, uh, you know, we go back every year. And so I'm lucky I've got, you know, I've got family uh, all over the world now. So, uh, and, and with that said, you also have a lot of experience, not, not limited to the U.S., but... You're very cosmopolitan, working in several different countries and cultures. And I want to spend a little bit of time, though, on uh, one of your more recent ventures. You actually exited the corporate world in private equity, did a little bit of philanthropy. Can you tell us about the organization? Yeah. Um, in uh, the middle of 2014, I was approached actually by a, a private equity firm about a company called Ucaring. And Ucaring was a crowdfunding platform for personal and charitable causes. And it was a free platform. And what they wanted to do is build it and expand it, but they only had one employee. So literally, it would be like doing a startup, which I thought you know, was very different uh, from my last job, where I had about 4,000 people in 26 countries <laughs> you know, building you know, software and services for intellectual property and scientific research. So crowdfunding was, was completely new. And with a single employee, you actually have to build a technology team, a marketing team. and and really kind of stand on your own in a digital marketplace where you have no brand, you have no identity, you have no sales force. But what you have is a very powerful tool for how people raise money to deal with medical expenses or funeral expenses or to fund educational expenses. It's, it's an interesting way for how people fundraise in the 21st century. Wow. 
And how big was your organization when you started then? It was literally one person. We had one customer service rep, <laughs> you know, and literally no employees. We had no office. We had literally nothing, no paper, no, you know. <laughs> it was just a, a fledgling website that was started by a husband and wife team in their kitchen. And so the whole point was you have to, you know, to sustain and build and grow a platform that was driving $150 million in donations every year, had an audience of, you know, you know, 50 million unique visitors a year, you actually had to build much stronger technological platforms, build out customer service, build out social media, marketing, SEO, SEM, you know, search engine optimization, search engine marketing. And so, you know, we did that in, in San Francisco in a span of about 18 months and doubled the business a couple times over. That's amazing. And I, I, I'll say that you really are, when it comes down to looking at your true strength, a business builder. Well, that's the funny thing. I thought, you know, it's going to be so different moving from a billion-dollar business to a, essentially a startup. But the reality is the thought process is the same. It's fundamentally, what should I be doing right now to drive the growth and success of this business? It's this constant mental prioritization and reprioritization about what needs to happen right now. And sometimes right, what you need to write, happen right now in a startup is assembling the furniture <laughs> for the five employees that are about to walk in the door, you know, in a couple hours. But, you know, ultimately it's, it's the same thing. Building is building is building. You know, in, in, in the experience with you, Karen, do you have any good stories or success stories that have come about as a result of working in that space? Well, it was, I mean, every day there are thousands of stories about, you know, people, right? At the end, and it could be, hey, my aunt, who I love, who raised me, just got diagnosed with cancer. Uh, there's been a shooting someplace. What's amazing is how people rally around a picture, a message. I mean, it's not a lot of detail that people provide about what's, you know, what's occurred in their life, but it's human drama played out really on your, on your mobile phone because most of what happens in crowdfunding happens on a mobile device. So of those you know, 50 million people, 75% are you know, women, on a mobile device, uh, you know, it's, so it's a really interesting, you know, dynamic about who's driving the social media uh, phenomenon on, you know, on the internet. And at the end of the day, people give millions of, you know, dollars to people they don't even know necessarily. But what social media does is it connects people starting from friends, from family, your former colleagues, your neighbors. And then you realize you actually do have a massive social network that's you know, much more easily connected via Facebook or Instagram. So you share, you, you create a fundraiser, you share it with your, your you know, 20, 50, you know, 100 friends. They share it, they share it, and all of a sudden it's getting hundreds of views, thousands of donations in a matter of days. It's an amazing phenomenon that's occurring. I'm visiting here today with Chris Caberi, and he's a private equity advisor, and we've been uh, talking about your recent experience that you're carrying. Chris, I need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. can't take your wealth with you, spend time with your family.
welcome back. I've been visiting here today with Chris Kaberian. He's a private equity advisor and also spent a, a recent experience in a, a social media project called You Caring, which is uh, crowdfunding for charitable causes. And, uh, you know, as I listen to you, Chris, the, 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 what, what came to mind is one of my former guests and your background for the listeners, you, you have some heritage from Armenia. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a guest also from Armenia. Uh, uh, his name was Armin Bajerkli. And he started a, what was called the Experience Project in social media and grew that to 500 million uh, individuals. Within, uh, he was 26 years old. And I thought, you know, there must be something within the, the culture that gives this inert drive to, uh, to build and to grow and, and to connect. And I'm very impressed with what you've been able to do so far in your uh, career that you're really a builder of businesses. Um, I wanna, I wanna uh, change topics here though and, and move off the you caring and, and get onto the, the private equity industry, okay? Where you spend a period of time and, 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 and where you hold out your, yourself right now. So what exactly is a private equity advisor? Well, you know, I've spent a lot of my career building very different kinds of businesses. And at the end of the day, when I was at Thomson Reuters, for example, I led a new business almost every two years. And what, what that means is you kind of get parachuted into a new situation, a new business, a new challenge very regularly. So you really have to adapt and figure out what's the strategy, what's the path for going forward. And when, you know, when a, what a private equity advisor does is help advise on what to buy, how to buy it, how to structure an asset so that you can build it, grow it, create value in a very short period of time, and then sell it to either another strategic buyer or another private equity buyer. But the whole point is, you gotta make things better. You have to create value, profit, growth, get the cost structure in, you know, in line in a relatively short period of time. So, so I think most of my career has been, you know, kind of got leading to this point where, you know, you've got a capital partner. Private equity is essentially a capital partner, and what they oftentimes need is management. And so if you've got the management and the capital, you can take businesses that have oftentimes lost their way, lost their passion, lost their purpose, and really turn them into stellar performers. So when, um, when, when you look at companies, okay, and I'm, I'm putting your advisory hat on mm -hmm. right now as a private equity advisor, what are the key components you look for? Do I, do I invest in them? Do I, you know, put time and resources or not? Well, you know, every business has a unique set of challenges. Um, you know, whether it's the competitive environment, but there's a reason a business has lost its way. And so oftentimes it's, you know, it's intensifying competition or it's a bloated cost structure or it's uh, poor asset allocation. I mean, I was looking at one business recently that put a ton of money into infrastructure that was probably not necessary, but they took it out of product. And when you take, you know, money out of product, there's less for the sales force to sell. There's less for customers to buy. There's less pricing power. And then it starts to create a little bit of a decline and a decay. Very easy to turn around, but the point is that it's, it's, it doesn't take long for a business to lose its way once it gets that asset allocation or that cost structure uh, out of kilter with what the market and the customers demand. So, um, so how important is the leadership of that company when you're working with them. Absolutely important. I mean, ultimately, you can't be afraid to change leadership or to change structure or to change, you know, a strategic direction. But ultimately, you know, business is, is, is about people. And people who've got the, uh, you know, a keen sense of the potential of a business 
can rally others and rally the momentum that's necessary to drive a business forward and do it quickly and effectively. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about a word that often I hear that you know that that driving entrepreneurs have within them and that is that of persistence to push through adversity. How do you keep the spirits up when things aren't going right in a company <laughs> and, you, and, and just getting everyone to push through the the problems? I th I think it's either in you or it's not. And and so I don't know where it comes from necessarily, but there's a when you know, there's nothing more exciting to me than than having my hands on a business where you can really drive the full potential of it, of that business, and where you can bring your passion to it. And because you know, passion is infectious, right? When people realize, hey, look, we're building something fantastic. I mean, ultimately, every every business, every enterprise has a higher purpose, right? And that higher purpose sometimes is changing the world, making the world a better place. And when you can find that nugget of truth and insight that really motivates a team and a people, uh, customers, uh, stakeholders, investors, you can really move mountains because it's not so much about what, what's, you know, what the challenges are that are coming at you. It's, it's about that vision, a vision about where you're going, what this business can do that propels everyone forward. You know, when you look at the world today uh, and then where we're heading to the future, what do you see out there? And let's, let's go back to the staying with the private equity industry. Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm seeing, I mean, I, I came from business to business, but I also just worked recently in business to consumer. And one of the things I'm seeing is a convergence in business models where, you know, every individual uses a, a smartphone to some degree. And what their expectations are about how they're communicated to and what they expect in terms of product performance is converging to a point where, you know, business to business models are converging with business to consumer in the sense that, you know, everyone expects an effective social media presence. Everyone expects to be communicated to in a very timely and efficient manner. Everyone ex expects real speed in terms of searchability, a good visual design experience in even some of the most arcane products. And I think there's a kind of a higher standard that the consumer markets have brought to the B2B world. You know, I think you just described Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that, isn't that ironic how quickly something like that, the mindset just took off like wildfire. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the ability to communicate and engage a global audience is so much more prevalent now. You can do that. You can do that in a very powerful and effective way with with design concepts and, and that are motivating across cultures, right? I mean, it's, it's a it's a unique phenomenon when you know people all over the world are literally chasing these you know these these objects, but the reality is it's what you can do now in a way uh, that you just simply couldn't do even you know 10, 20 years ago. So visiting here today with Chris Kaberian, he's a private equity advisor, and uh, you know Chris, I, I have a lot of listeners or startup companies and you know trying to get to the next level. If a person wants to contact you and and have you come in and help with their company, how would they do so? Well, I'm, you know, on LinkedIn, probably the best place to, to reach out to me is on LinkedIn, uh, you know, and so Chris Kabarian. Um, and I, you know, I get a lot of, uh, you know, inquiries, uh, you know, a fair bit to, uh, to advise in companies and, and to invest, uh, and I love it. Chris, thanks for being on today's show.